Friday Afternoon Deploy is a ROM hack of all things considered. This isn't programming related as much as it's. That's also never stopped us before. <laughs> I, I exactly. had yes. an yeah. idea. Oh, have right. you? Right. Oh, go ahead. I was uh, going to say business travel because we just traveled. But what oh. got you into programming? What got you that. into programming? That's a good round table. I like that one. That's a good like round that table that goes around that can go all kinds of places. That's way better than what I love about programming. No offense. I, I it was intentionally cheesy. Okay, it was that was my intentionally bad idea. Oh, I was ready to dive deep in that. All right, we, you can do. We it. might do both. You can <laughs> both. You pick your, which one. Both your, are connected. So your yeah. love of programming can very much be what got you got you into programming. Into programming. Mm. It's kind of meta. There's a chicken or the egg type situation there. Mm-hmm. But uh, do I did I love programming before I started, or did I start and then I loved it? I thought you were going to say, do I love programming or does programming love me? Programming does not love me. No. There's, there's does no, it love anyone, really? No, <laughs> that, no it does not. I it's, don't think so. There's no more uh, uh, fickle uh, a, a soul than uh, a, a, a bash terminal we, coming back at you. We had this. Going like, you typed this. Did you mean to type that? Yes, I fucking did. <laughs> I did mean to type that. Why couldn't you just run the command for me? <laughs> I hate that so much. It's just frustrating. The suggestions. Me. It's like, yes, you're right. You are or, always suggesting correctly. Can we just take the next step? But you don't even give me the, the wire in. Like, if you're going to make a suggestion, give me a wire in. And yeah. I can just like, yeah, 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 you were right. Or no, that wasn't right. Exactly. But don't just like... Did you mean this? If so, why don't you type it correctly this time? Developers, if you're listening to this episode and you are implementing a command line tool and you go so far as to implement a, you typed the wrong thing, but it's really similar to this thing, maybe that's what you meant. Give the prompt. Let me hit tab or something to confirm yes and do that. Nobody does that. I'm going to make a git derivative. And that's all it does. It's like, did you mean checkout? Hit tab and yeah. say yes. That'd be nice. Tab completion. Did you call it Schmidt? Schmidt Hub. Schmidt Hub. That's <laughs> what I'll build on top mm-hmm. of it. Schmidt Hub. That's good. So I, I want to get to the um, uh, what got you into programming. But first, mm. you referenced the fickleness. Mm-hmm. We attempted a Friday afternoon deploy today. Sure did. How'd and it go? It blew up in our face, yep. as they do. As expected. Yep. We have a new product owner on the team. And yesterday, I, I got the request from the client that we needed to do a deploy. Um, late on Thursday. And so I went to our new product owner and said, you're new to all this. Tomorrow, there's going to need to be a deploy. And when you tell your team that, um, you're going to catch unending levels of shit because it's Friday, <laughs> yes. and that's normal. That's that's to be expected. But do have them deploy. <laughs> and we did. And we did. And uh, production wouldn't build. Yep. And it turns out it was because... Wait, wait, wait. The production oh, back end wouldn't build. The front end, the front end did, did and did and deploy. Deployed. Yeah. So the front end was out of sync <laughs> with the back end. Thankfully, this is on an app that does not yet currently have any active users. To be clear, like we didn't... It is, in, it is still an active production app. Yeah. yeah. Well, we did. Well, it's just true, that client has no clients in that app. Yeah. It is, yeah, it was their production app. There were no active users. Turns out, Circle 
uh, was using an image that got upgraded yep. of our the um, yeah the the Python the Python three seven four or at least image. no no it was it was probably the, yeah the the Ubuntu I think the probably the Ubuntu yeah who knows what version. it's derived yeah. from right yeah. But we went to deploy everything that always deployed, and it didn't today. Mm-hmm. And so I had to do uh, add, apt-get, upgrade, to uh, or update, excuse me. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. Update. Um, to circle, and it ran. But there was a couple minutes when we just stood around going, of course, this is why you don't do this on Friday. Mm-hmm. And uh, fickle. Did exactly what it was going to do, and I told our new product owner, I said, see? You got to see it. (laughs) This is why I told you that there would be gnashing of teeth, and for good reason. Um, Because, and I told him, I also said, this problem wasn't there yesterday, and it won't be there on Monday, but it's here today. Uh, All true statements. Yeah, I think an underlying file system layer of that Docker image changed Mm -hmm. uh, and had different uh, aptitude repositories cached. So... Yay! But that was that was it, and then after that, it was good. That's right? not what I love about programming, nor what got me into it, though. <laughs> no. <laughs> Opposite of that. Huh. Uh, Austin Willow, you're both relatively new to the sport. I'm going to turn it to you guys. And since Willow suggested the topic, I'm going to ask Willow. Willow, what happened to you? <laughs> <laughs> That that made you say, yeah, I want to spend my life with a fickle terminal in front of my face. Well, it started out that, like, I didn't really do anything with technology when I was younger. And then my brother-in-law taught me how to use computers and stuff more. And that got me into that. And then after being into computers for a while, then I was like... So how old were you when you got into doing computer stuff? Like, just even at the most basic level. More like probably like twelve. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, for for a while, just being addicted to the internet in general, wanted to know <laughs> how it worked. Yep. So then, started from there. Yep. yep. That's that's for, what I mean. first first more the design aspect, then later, not being satisfied that I don't need to know what's going on underneath. Yep. So like that. a curiosity for the back, like what's happening under the hood. Yeah, yeah, that sounds that's that's very similar to my experience. Although I got into it um, probably a decade before, maybe a little bit more. I'm just guessing here, but I was about the same age. I was probably like 12, mm. and at that time, the easiest way to get a page on the internet for the average normie. Was to go to like a GeoCities or an Angel Fire? Did you did you did you ever see? You never experienced GeoCities or Angel Fire, did you? Mm-mm. So oh, that was yeah. probably gone by the time man. by the time you got into it. And that was like and tripod. Yeah, that was the web. It was just like it was the most basic of of web applications, and it was like come paste your HTML, HTML into this website and yep. build your own web page. It was basically a CMS, although we didn't know what a CMS was. No, mm-hmm. it was it, actually it was more like a web-based GUI for an FTP client to put HTML files and stuff into yes. folders. Yeah, um, you didn't have to use an FTP client. You didn't have any server access, and so you built websites through one of these hosting platforms. And they parked ads all over everybody's oh man Britney Spears fan page, and made shitloads of cash, or maybe none at all. I don't know how profitable the business that actually was. Um, 
And you could go, you could find people were making, at that time when I was getting into it, there were like other sites out there that were making little tools for your site. It's called a DHTML. You guys, you know, does that ring a bell? Dynamic HTML. It was, I love this. I, I feel like I've, I don't mean to lecture. That's not what I'm trying to do. Come sit on Casey's lap and listen yeah, to my come, story. Come on, kids. Uh, and yeah, DHTML is what they were calling. It was dynamic HTML. It yes. was HTML and JavaScript and CSS all playing together. Um, and that was DHTML. So there were lots of websites for like, that's how it started. Build a yeah. build an Angel Fire fan page for something that you like. I was like 12, probably, around that age. And I built like a Star Wars um, fan site. And then I found some DHTML script site that was like, here's a little thing that makes a TIE fighter follow your mouse cursor. And I was like, got to have that. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you can't have just an HR tag out there. You got to have a lightsaber GIF that goes across the side. You guys, the internet was these great were very, back then. These were very real <laughs> Everybody things. was doing this. I had, you would I had, log into a site every, and an 8-bit version of the theme song would yeah. start playing instantly. I don't instantly. care yeah. like when you started doing html and stuff like that everybody makes an ugly 90s looking site yeah that's what happens when you know zero css except that's what everyone did in the 90s it wasn't like oh man i made a 90s site it was like man look at this thing it's so amazing you went out and found another website that had aggregated cool 90s shit to put on your website and that's what it was it was almost like a little collection tome of shit that you had found on the internet like oh i found this sweet gif yep i found it because there was only like there's only like a hundred gifts on the internet then, so you know it, it, we didn't have Giphy. Were you, uh, were you in a uh, were you in a web ring? A web circle? Yep. Yeah, a web ring. Yeah, yeah. Was it a, a ring or circle? Them. I don't remember. Oh yeah, but there yeah, were... that's because nobody really used search engines really back then, and so you you would end up at a website you liked, and then it was just like this like circle of links, self-referencing links that you'd put you'd get into. Join a web ring. Yeah, you join a web ring, and you'd be like, yeah, I read that. That was cool, and you click next, and it Go would to take the you to the next site page, ring, next yeah. site. In the ring. It's awesome. Man. It's good stuff. So, yeah. It's and so, so, so around then, there was a site called BraveNet. And BraveNet had all kinds of tools for putting on your website. And counters were hot, right? Like a little counter that tracked every time someone visited your site. <laughs> and it was you could get them from BraveNet. And they had digital ones and all kinds of different little counters. And it used like... Um, you know, they were doing real web stuff then, right? That's that's what was lost on me at the time is I don't know, it's magic. I thought I knew how to build all websites, but obviously under the hood, these things were like tracking sessions and keeping track of how many times this image had been loaded and updating the graphics. So there was there was some like um uh you know, primitive something, probably those, CGI, those are, yeah, CGI are scripts. Yeah. Hit doing all that stuff. Um and so yeah, you put all that crap on your website. One day I was just tired of the BraveNet counter. I wanted to write my own counter. I was like, they're doing it somehow, and I don't want their branding on my website. It's spoiling all of my my really nicely designed Star Wars website with the lightsaber on it. And then I, I, you know, what was the easiest way to like make write code that I could do things like that? And then I, um, like most people, you know, I took a wrong turn and I started dabbling in PHP. Mm. Yeah, uh, I definitely did that at first too. Yeah, there you go. Uh, a PHP's lot, a gateway drug. If you are <laughs> if you are trying to build internet, right? And you know HTML and CSS is very easy to yeah. get into PHP. Oh, yeah. You know it's just well, out, it's, it's everywhere. It's Pe- made to be. People are pushing it. You know, um, you just you you're minding your own business. Um, you're you 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 walk into a bathroom and someone stops you in the hallway and is like, "Hey man, when'd you have a good time? Take this PHP." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Tyrell and I shared stories on some experiences yeah. in that vein at once. Uh, so, yeah. So, so that was it for me. We're learning to write. And the very first thing I did was a little counter that um, I don't know who hosted it. I went somewhere that would actually run PHP scripts for you. So they gave me an Apache server that I could load PHP stuff. Probably learned FTP to do it. And, I'm trying uh, to think of who that would have been. Man, that was like pre- Dreamhost. Daddy. I went with Dreamhost. Dreamhost, Dreamhost oh, was man. the first one. That was the first. That was my first PHP host, and I went from free hosting to like paying a dollar ninety nine a month, so I could do this kind of stuff. Dreamhost kept their like really weird UI and system forever. The, the Dream Panel forever. It was terrible. Yep. And then yeah, the the very first thing was my own counter, and it opened up a file, a text file, and wrote a number to it, and then incremented the number and wrote to it. And if more than one person had ever hit my site, I'd have had a concurrency issue, but I never had that problem. <laughs> uh, and then then that evolved into something more robust. You know, I needed two people to edit something, and so I got into databases, and it just kind of spiraled from there. But it always stemmed from um, those like hobby sites that I was building as a kid. So that's, for me, that's, that was it. I had a, I had a doom website, doom the game. Nice. I collected all the gifts of all the doom bad guys. Like we were just did, like, did you have like links to wads and stuff? Yeah, uh, I did. I built some wads. Oh, so I, had, I hosted wads. my own wads. Um, and, and like, I don't know why we were all just rebuilding the fucking game manual. Yeah. Like that was a the thing. There were there were hundreds of Doom websites in my in my web ring. That was just like a list of all the bad guys and their HP and a description of what they did. I don't know why we just all did the same thing. Um, yeah. So that was what was your. I'm curious about um, Tyrell. Yes. And I'm going around the circle. I'm not skipping you, Austin. I, I see you over there. Um, I want to hear about your Doom mods as well. <laughs> I didn't. One what moment. was your What was your We'll come back to Tyrell. He, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm trying to find out. He's trying to find it because you're still using on the web. You're, no, it's not. The, the only thing that's still on the web from back in my day would have been like my Zanga site. Is Angel Fire still a thing? What's what's what? What's my what's my odds? Okay, someone you want to get a betting pool together? If I go to AngelFire.com, do I get redirected to Yahoo? And how many millions of dollars was that redirect? It was a lot, and you do get redirected. I'm sure of it. Where do I go though? Let's find out. It's still there. Angel That's Fires? what it looks like. like. Your old Angel, Angel Fire. Fire. Here, here is this is a blast from the past because I did get redirected, and it is a merger of two things that I had almost completely forgotten about. I am now at angelfire.lycos.com. No, Lycos no, no. was my search. That engine. was the search. Engine. This Lycos, is pre Google, pre Google's mm-hmm. folks. Lycos, go get it. Uh, Ly- Lycos and Excite. Were like the two yep. like yep. the two main players. I was an Excite guy. I wasn't a Lycos guy. So what the fuck is at lycos.com? This is insane. What's at Excite.com now? Lycos is still a search engine. My mind is blown. It's still got the dog on it. Of course it does. Uh, you can't get rid of the dog on Lycos. Excite.com. This still... Jesus. It's still a search engine, too. And it's got a homepage. Like an old homepage. Like with the weather and the current time on it. That's amazing. You guys, I feel <laughs> this can't be real. Did I step into a time warp? This can't still be here. Who owns this? Who is paying the hosting fee for this? My mind is blown right now. All right. So did you find your website? Uh, no, I was. Uh, the only thing I've still got that's out there is an old Zanga site mm. that uh, was just really bad. Po- that's come up poetry. on the show before. Yeah, it's still floating around. Um, no, I actually, nothing that I built web web wise 
back then would have been around still. I didn't get into the web in high school. I was doing more stuff on computers. Like I remember getting really excited when I uh, put a fake virus on a uh, on a floppy. It wasn't even a real school, a real virus, but basically, mm. um, back then when you would boot a computer, if you had a floppy disk in the drive, it, it would, would boot, boot to the floppy drive. drive. Yeah. And we'd come up, we'd come up with a script that would like, I forget what it said, something like you've been pwned. It wasn't even pwned because pwned wasn't a thing back yeah. then. <laughs> you've been hacked, whatever. I'm, we're so elite. And then Lee wasn't all you had, yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. None of these terms <laughs> were real terms, but basically we're like, we just owned you, whatever. And, uh, and then all you had to do was push the space bar, um, to get past it and it would boot the normal system, but we would just throw that in people's computers and watch them just like panic and reboot and panic and reboot, reboot and panic and reboot. And you'd just watch the fear creep over them until, uh, they would either, we would either kick the, the disc out or just leave and, and laugh. Um, so I, I kind of got into computers through my friend Ruben. Was it Ruben Kalunga? No, no, it was a different Ruben Pippin. It was a different Ruben. Um, Ruben was like into that. He he and I started playing around with scripts and, and writing things like that. And then he gave me a copy of um, what was it? Uh, the Nightmare was a oh Secrets of a Super Hacker hmm. by The Nightmare. This was like. I was just adjacent to all the like uh, bulletin boards and freaking and all that. I did some freaking. This is like old school hackery kind of stuff that happened in the 90s. Um, I had a copy of the Anarchist Cookbook. So I, I learned about freaking and blue boxes and black boxes and tapping into phones and uh, tone captures and replaying tones and all that stuff. And so I never got like super heavily into that, but I was I was marginally plugged into that. Right. Um, and... Uh, then got more into music than I did computers for a little while. So just like, uh, computers are great, but music's better. Did that and um, eventually came back around the boom of uh, CMSs. WordPress was just taking off. Drupal was becoming a thing. Uh, Joomla. Joomla. Mm, I built a lot Joomla. of Joomla. So, um, Sorry, universe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so some folks that were connected with the church I was at at the time were wanting to build some stuff, and they reached out to me because they knew I was fairly computer savvy and said, hey, we're going to build some stuff. Uh, is there, look at these and see which one we should do. So I worked and did a, a comparison of CMSs and I was just like, this Drupal one looks pretty good. And they're like, cool. And um, after that, I was just like, I wonder what I can do with this. So I started playing around with it and started working on Drupal and uh, got pretty proficient at building Drup little Drupal sites here and there. And, um, built some uh, just like on a freelance basis and then went uh, at the time I was working at uh, the public radio station and said, Hey, I need to rebuild all our stuff and I'm going to rebuild it in Drupal. It's going to be awesome. And lo and behold, NPR was re in rebuilding all of their stuff on Drupal simultaneously like NPR media. And so um, that obviously got me into PHP land and all that and uh, just kind of escalated from there realized CMSs are terrible, let's not do this, and went, wait, but now I just have to write, like, raw PHP? And uh, <laughs> everyone I knew that was a real programmer laughed at me, and I went, like, no, oh, okay, cool, I'll, I'm gonna, I'm a real programmer too, guys. And so um, pivoted from there and just kind of started my journey from there. So that's, that's how I, I migrated from, like, aspiring hacksaw to web dude through CMSs and on upward. And so it's also part of why I still... 
freelance tangentially in the in the, the infosex sphere and, and do stuff here and there because I still that's what I was doing when I really got into computers and I still love the like that whole like arm of it and would uh, yeah just enjoy it more as a hobby than anything but you have to do it <laughs> you can't hack as a hobbyist unless right. you're doing it as a contractor because otherwise you're basically you're a black hat and you're breaking yeah. the law but yeah. when someone says here have some money and break the law you're just like yes well as long as Ooh. there's as long as there's some tax collection in that transaction exactly. it's all above board that's right uh totally. i find it interesting you so you started kind of more on i'm describing it as the hardware side but yeah like mine was purely like, like local networking yeah and yeah stuff that ran on someone's computer my, my first programming was absolutely done through a web browser so i'm young enough to at least have had that experience right that that was it like through through a web-based thing so i was i was doing stuff before everyone like i before everyone had the internet before everyone was on dial-up because i imagine you were on dial-up when you were doing all that stuff with yeah well i i this was before i had dial-up at home i was doing this at school okay we had we had like dsl or whatever whatever they had something that was epic to us at the time at school and then i got dial-up at home later and, and carried it on see i was doing all of this and then my buddy ruben who he and i were like hobby hacking on all kind of stuff and doing all the freaking and some bulletin boards here and there. Um, BBS is, uh, he was like, dude, you need the internet. I was like, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> and we had like one ISP in town, two Fords, two Fords.net. And we got that. And we had to convince my parents like, no, no, I need this thing. It's really important. Ruben, Ruben, thankfully Ruben's dad, who was a police officer and that helped. Although that's a whole nother story (laughs) we were far too mischievous to be that close to a police officer and gotten away with everything we did um but ruben's dad was also like way into the internet i think he was building websites and so it was one of those things where mom was like i don't know about this internet i was just like ruben's dad's a cop and he's like get the internet and ruben's dad was like yeah the internet this was like sweet i just got the internet nice nice convincing it did it worked well like 16 which like at the time was super young and super new so and they had like high, hard wire line because I the, the, the internet went in my room because my parents had no concept uh-huh. of what to do with computers at all. So they're just like, yeah, I guess put that phone line in his room. See, we put my computer up to it, and I would just like hog the phone all the time. No one can make phone calls, right? Yeah, just dominated it. We had no, we had no trouble convincing I, my brother and I live with my mom. We had no trouble convincing her that the internet was something worth having. She was a graphic designer. Um, so she knew her way around a computer and, uh, she, we had, we were always a Mac family and so we had oh, wow. an iMac and so there was no equipment. This was the, the very first generation iMac. That was the big thing about it. It had a built-in modem. You just plugged a phone line right into the back of it and they had the Jeff Goldblum commercials where it's like three steps to getting on the internet. It's like step one, plug it in. Step two, click the internet. Step three, there is no step three. And then Jeff Goldblum breaks down and Jeff Goldblum laughs about mm-hmm. there not being a step three. I love you. This is, that probably predates some of the people in the you room also, as well. Everyone needs to watch <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. Uh, What's the new the, show? Uh, Jeff Goldblum. You talked about it? the shoe episode. I don't yeah, know if that was great. on the podcast or not. The Jeff, Goldblum, the Jeff Goldblum show on Disney Plus. Everyone needs to watch it. Mm. I'm, I'm looking this up. Now. All right. Sorry. We've, uh, we've, we've derailed. It's cool. It How was long about ago time. was it? Uh, when you were at KUAF, KUAF? I was at KUAF in ooh, 20, 2008? 2008. 2009? Somewhere in there. Yeah. 2008. I think it was it. 
Mm. Oh no, I was trying to find something to play for you all, but it's it's got a it's got a preloader on it. Let's see here. Let's see if we can. What do you think the greatest gift of the holidays is? Internet. I'd say internet. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, of course, as easy as it's always been. You get an iMac, 10 minutes out of the box, you're on the Internet. But now, Apple gives you uh, your own personal website. You can post your photographs for all your family to see all over the world and your iMovies. And now you're the purveyor of, you're the generator of, you're the author of great stuff. Isn't it nice? I loved the Jeff Goldblum era of Mac commercials. That is not the No Step 3 commercial. So, so it was liter- in that era. So right? literally, that is what every episode of this show is. It's just a lot of that. It's just... It's <laughs> just Jeff... That's, what, that's how they got those commercials. They set Jeff Goldblum down with an iMac and said, just let him go. I always wonder if his work is scripted or not, or if he's no. just so good that I he don't makes think it, he's there's no way it's scripted. Cause it, with that, the degree of consistency across the body of work, no one wrote all of that. There's no That's way. Because the, the best moment I've had thus far in that series is when he goes to the Ben and Jerry's. It's the ice cream episode. Jeff Goldblum discovers ice cream or whatever. He goes to the Ben and Jerry's uh, locate the headquarters, and they, Ben and Jerry's has a graveyard for flavors that didn't make it. Mm. And Jeff Goldblum goes into the flavors graveyard at Ben and Jerry's and has an existential crisis in front of the, the camera. And it's the most Jeff Goldblum thing I've ever seen, as he's just like questions and ponders mortality around all of these crazy flavors of ice cream. <laughs> it's just like, oh man, I'm, that's why you have this show. I am a huge Jeff Goldblum fan. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I've never heard someone say they don't like Jeff Goldblum, admittedly, but uh, he, he just cracks me up. But I don't think you could you could try and write for him, but yeah, I don't think you don't get to tell Jeff Goldblum how to Jeff Goldblum. The way he stumbles through it is just so perfect oh, every yeah. time. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's, it's hard to imagine anyone ever. Writes he for he him. is like on a it's because it's not a graceful thing. No, no. no, it's almost like a it's almost like Kramer from Seinfeld, mm-hmm. yes. but with with bigger words. Uh, <laughs> you can hear him looking for the next thing to say. Yeah, it sounds like this. Talks. Oh yeah, ah, yeah. ah, ah. It's oh, I'm sure there's a ah. montage of that. Ten hour, ten hour loop. Jeff Goldblum Jeff going ah. <laughs> it's on YouTube. I'm sure. <laughs> if code not, to that. I can, gotta, I can write code to that. It's just like ah, mm. mm. Goldblum realizing uh, things. Yeah. So so you know I. I started through the internet. I did get into writing code um, for the machine, I guess, for the desktop. Um, later, when I got into high school, mm-hmm. there was a, a basic programming class, literal basic programming, like Microsoft yep, yep. Quick Basic. Yeah. Uh, so I wrote QBasic stuff, and that's what I. That's what we wrote the, the boot script in. Yeah. And we never, uh, I, I never built a, a, a boot script thing to mess with people. We were a little bit closer to the hardware. Um, instead of building a, a, a little boot scared thing on a floppy drive, um, we did manage to put a paper football into a slot loading um, iMac disk drive. And that was a spectacular thing that happened. <laughs> I, I don't remember exactly that we, we, you know, paper football, right? Um, Austin's looking at me like he doesn't know what a paper football. Is. I you, know what a they paper had paper football. footballs. Okay, <laughs> and and uh, stop! You're just getting older. In just, front I of know. Mom. I was just like, I was like, you know, my birthday's next week, and so I'm I'm having a complex over it. I think, uh, but yeah, I think someone was just like shoving a paper football in the disc drive and then yanking it out and then listening to the disc drive, just trying to 
trying to ingest something and they overcommitted once and it pulled it in there <laughs> and that thing fucking like disintegrated in that thing. And we were, um, we did an early bird tech class. And so we were, um, unpaid slave labor for the IT department oh, yep. that the entire school functioned on. I mean, we pulled cable, we made drops, we networked printers, all that shit was like done by students. They had one IT guy and then like 25 kids that went out and actually did the work. Um, so we got to be the ones and like the, the next day a work order comes in. It's like the disk drive's not working on this iMac. I'm like, huh, that happened. Let's open that up. And it just like, it was like a paper shredder. Uh, it was amazing. That was the closest that I got to hardware hacking. Nice. <laughs> paper football on a disk drive. All right, Austin, I told you we didn't forget. What, um, what, what got you into it? Take us there. Paint a picture. Oh, 12 years old. Uh, 12 is the magic number. Yeah, yep. I was in Arkansas at that point. Um, oh, man, I don't even know how I got it, but somehow I got my hands on Blitz Magic. No, I was going, so my next year I was going to be taking my first programming class in high school, I think. Okay. Um, and I wanted to get prepared, and I didn't know anything, I didn't know any of the concept of languages um, at that point. And so I ended up going to Barnes & Noble and going to their technical section and i saw some uh programming language for video games it was blitz max basic which was basically a derivative of uh, uh basic okay. um and Never it was made yeah it was made for graphics uh programming in basic i believe it is what it was um so yeah i goofed around that um i'd like to say i loved it as soon as i started uh working with it but probably like uh back when i was in eighth grade and told my girlfriend i loved her i'd Knew not, absolutely nothing, uh, <laughs> and I continued to have a, a tumultuous relationships uh, with other women through high school, and that definitely had the same aspect with programming. Uh, <laughs> lots of stopping and lots of starting. Um, it wasn't until like four or five years ago that I, I realized that programming had more aspects, or could provide more aspects than just in video games, and right. uh, could apply to actual things in life that uh, besides you know dreams. And ambitions uh, <laughs> um so yeah it was, uh, I, like even back then I, I was goofing around with html um with a game called neopets way back when um and you could oh, set man. you could stand up little uh html websites for your like little characters um was so, that like this is it was like, like a, a, like a web-based tamagotchi yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. yeah you defeat it mm-hmm. yep yep and i would stand up html websites um that was probably my first experience for that um, there was also like a very distinct moment where I was like, my mind was blown. Um, that first time you see somebody inspect, uh, an element and dev tools, the dev tools. Yeah. yeah. And so kid had internet explorer up and he was just like, yo, Austin, look at me. And he inspected element and all this code brought back. And I was like, Oh my God. It was like God. staring into uh, the matrix. Yeah, I was like, this, ex- <laughs> this exists. Um, like, like when Neo starts to see in green, yeah. you know, I'm going to hack all, every side I visit. I'm going to hack it now. Yeah. 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 I'll uh, blow your mind. I remember the first time I saw an inspector and it was well into my web development career. And then someone invented firebug. Yeah. Uh, firebug. Firebox. Firefox. Was like, that was Oh the my thing, God. Cause you know what we used to do before alert, <laughs> that was debugging yeah. alert uh, was your debug statement in JavaScript. Yeah. So yeah, probably I, you know, I, I coded, I, I programmed off and on uh, through high school and into college and until I eventually got my uh, first big boy job. And then I was doing database stuff for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I've just kind of tinkered around with coding since I was probably about 12. All right. Quick go around. First language that wasn't like HTML, CSS, Willow. Oh, 
So JavaScript doesn't count either. It depends. I wrote <laughs> PHP before I wrote JavaScript. I, I wrote JavaScript first, but PHP was more like the first real, I guess. Yeah, okay. do, we, do we define it as like the first thing you use to commit to a database or first any kind of language beyond? Because back, back before JavaScript was committing to databases, it was just... It's still programming. Like it's right. just yeah. not it was just very databases. Different. Right. I don't know. I, it's up to your interpretation. So speaking for myself, I would say PHP. I probably tweaked some JavaScript that I copied and pasted from like a DHTML site to change the duration of um, of you know or some constant or something or change the color um, that was being set. But I don't feel like I actually wrote any code until I discovered PHP. For me, what was the first one you wrote yeah. a loop in? How's that? First loop. Mm-hmm. First loop. First loop. PHP for me. I think I did JavaScript first. JavaScript loop. C plus plus. C plus plus. Wow. I uh, see. That's what I, I was, was doing. Graphics library uh, or uh, SDL and SFML are two like game libraries that I uh, used way back when. Got it. Um, and so I was writing C plus plus like right as I went into uh, my JavaScript. I didn't see C or C plus plus until I was in college. I think not that it wasn't there. I just I never found it. I think mine would have been C plus plus too. Um, this was this was like going way back, and that's why it's unclear. Um, the first one that I did anything productive with would have been PHP. But back when I was tinkering with stuff like Basic and C plus plus and all that, that that probably would have been first for loop. Um, so, depending on what age you were, we might have been studying C plus plus at the exact same time. It's possible. Um, would have been oh five for me. Mm, no, it's oh eight. Mm. Close though. Close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but one thing that I'll, I'll I'll say to go back in the way back machine again, as we grandpas uh, tend to do. I <laughs> you mentioned twelve being the magic age. Yeah. Um, so when I was talking, I'm about, assuming. I well, don't, I don't have hard numbers here. You mentioned. But. Uh, I mentioned like me, like, and my friend Ruben doing all the like, like, faux hacking and freaking and all that. Um, we. Uh, I started like really took off in computers around the age of twelve because I got an old, I want to say it was a TI. Oh yeah, and like no no hard drive, everything was was booting, and I was on uh, five and a quarter floppies. So you'd have the boot floppy to get the system operational to get your DOS prompt, and you'd kick that boot floppy out, and you'd grab whatever game you wanted to play, and you put that floppy in, and you'd load it through the to the prompt. And I loved that. Like that was mm-hmm. something like about. The fact that I could use a computer like that, and I was playing, um, I remember distinctly, there, there's all kinds of text adventure games. Oh, yeah. And then there was one where I was uh, shooting two cannons across the screen, shooting at each other, and you'd, you'd set your X and Y axis and fire, and you'd watch it go, and you'd watch it hit the ground. And have like an explosion. Yeah, an explosion and a little divot. And then, like, the my brother and I were computer. having a conversation about the original version of this game, and I now I can't remember. Bananas. Oh yeah, there, there was a million was derivatives, a but yeah, yeah. Um, that was yeah, I, the, the Tank Wars or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. So this these these were the games I was playing yeah. on this thing, and uh, I never I never once thought about programming them. Yeah, um, but I played them enough that I was just like, this is great, and then I upgraded to a Windows ninety five box, and. Uh, Got me into some Mech Warrior mm. and all that. <laughs> Boy, mm. you want to talk about uh, that's that's when the gaming set in. Yeah, 
pretty solid. Between they ended Warrior. up remaking an online version of that. I would have loved that. It tanked, but oh, it, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was super hyped. I was super hyped when, yeah. when they announced it. And I never then, really thought about making anything else other than like websites. Like yeah. games. See, that's I was how like, I eh, was. No I, I played yeah. games, and but I was I was just websites was the thing that had caught my attention. I, I did a lot of gaming when I was a kid, and I remember being really surprised when I did switch to. So I went to college as an English major, so I hadn't even chosen it as an actual career path, even though I was doing it. Um, and I remember when I switched to computer science and sitting in like an orientation um, for people that were switching majors, and I, I would say without exaggerating that 95% of the people in my major at my school wanted to build, they wanted to go into the game industry. And that had never even occurred to me. I had been writing code and I was a gamer like playing games. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's code too. Um, but I had already caught my eye on, on web stuff. And, uh, and then at, at that time I was, I started thinking about it and I was like, well, that would be cool. But I always felt like, Maybe I had done I had done some programming work at that point. I'd done freelance work and built websites, and I actually had a job building websites in a newspaper at the time that I switched to my computer science degree. And so maybe for that reason, I had done enough programming work that when everyone was talking about getting into the game industry, and I was like, "That's probably not the fun part of the game industry. It's not art direction. You're not like necessarily now that you have the indie game world, it's totally different, right? You can you can do that, but at that time. The game industry was probably like, you're going to write code that implements calculus so that people can dream up really cool shit and then say, give me a tool that lets me make really cool shit, but not actually building the game itself, not yeah. the mechanics. See, my, my relationship with websites versus apps was the opposite. I would stand up lots of hokey just you know installers that i would then go to like some pre-built website on like freewebsites.com or something and right. stand something up right outside of the neopets html i was cracking out it was just a bunch of applications that i would throw up and i didn't even conceive of websites being like a path at first it was only ever like i need to build something that i can give to somebody to install their computer because that's programming like that yeah that's yeah. the thing yeah so i I uh like man I I admire and pity aspiring game developers so much because to me like the aspiration especially with games today and they're just like I want to do that and it's just like man I maybe it's because I've left it that way in a lot of ways I've I've looked into game development here and there and it's just like okay cool that like I I can understand it more than I ever thought I would just without really diving deep but to me like I think I I enjoy the magic aspect of video games to just let it kind of be yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. And play it is fun. Um, I never looked at it and went like, yeah, I want to, I can do that. To me, I was just like, I can build complicated web apps. That seems achievable to me. And yeah. I'm fine with leaving the mystery in video games. But there's so many people that are, see video games and go, I want to do that. So they're committing to something that is at least to some degree, like cognitively presumed to be more difficult than being a web developer and yet game development that, i think you could say that that is objectively more difficult i'd go so far as to say that I, I but think, but I, but it's so competitive like the odds of them getting into that they're just like i'm going to commit to the harder of these options and the 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 bandwidth by which like i can get in is significantly more narrow See, it was like that i thought like people would be like i want to go build games like and then some example like Halo. Uh-huh. And I was like, but that's not what you're going to do. Even if you go work for Bungie or Microsoft after they bought them, your job is going to be to make a tool 
that an art director drags boxes around that outputs some mechanic of the weapon system in Halo. Right. You're not going to get to build right. the whole piece. You're, that's the reality. You're going to have this tiny little piece of, you might only build tools that other developers use yeah. and not actually work on the engine itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and certainly and, and have no influence over anything about story or art or level design those are all design jobs they're not actually programming jobs yep. right you might get to build the level editor and it's empty and then someone else gets to pull make a badass level out of it and you're like hell yeah i invented the fucking grid system on that but it never actually <laughs> makes it into the game you right. know what i mean and so for me i always that's one thing i liked about the web is i could build something and then that's what everyone saw and that and that was a cool thing about the web i had like as a when i first got into this industry i had this um, this goal that I don't think I've met yet. I wanted to see a product that I built on TV. Hmm. That was a goal. Whether that was like a CNBC report on um, a product, like some company's product, and I helped work on it. And I don't know if I've actually um, really achieved that. Maybe something that we touched at PBS had a commercial about it or something like that. I don't yeah. remember. But that's what I wanted to do, and I knew that I, I wouldn't get that building tools. I had to be able to work directly on product itself. The topic, the topic of game development, is something I would love to spend sixty minutes on and giving a talk to like junior developers because it's something that I struggled with for a long time um, throughout my entire programming career path, quote unquote. Um, because there, is, it is such a difficult task. Not because I think the programming challenges are inherently difficult in it, just because the libraries that are available to you today. If, abstract, you're, if you're using like an engine that's yeah, already, out, if right. you're using oh, Unity, right. yeah. it's one thing. Yeah, it abstracts a lot of that work out for you. So the the chances of someone creating a full fledged game nowadays are easier than ever. Yeah. But the the thing that doesn't get talked about enough is, or, you know, maybe it does get talked about enough, but when you're young, you, you just don't listen to that kind of noise is that it is, it requires ass and seat time, like yep. lots of it. Yep. And it, it's not until a point you grow up and you get past that point where you realize, Oh, that this, I actually need this yeah. um, to, to accomplish this, that you start to realize how much work it actually I have to takes. go put my 10,000 hours yeah. into this. Yeah. And so like what, what ends up happening or personally what ended up happening to me is you embark on these tasks. You end up failing because you give up on the project and, you know, whatever you move on and it continually is like this horrible, you know, response cycle that makes you reflect on your confidence as a you know developer. And that's why I think a lot of junior developers kind of get stuck in a, a rut or right. you know self-taught developers get stuck in a rut of like this is what i can accomplish and this is what i can't accomplish because of me trying to undertake these very difficult tasks um and i feel like there, there's a whole conversation to be had about like outside of just game programming being difficult is hard i think those type of tasks and aspiring to take those tasks hurt you in the long run honestly feel like game programming is the worst place you would start like, I feel like you should start with making, like, utility scripts or, like, a website first because you're going to be turned off by it. Because a lot of the people I went to school with uh, that were in my major, which I wasn't one of them, but most of them were like, I want to go into gaming. Right. Oh, this is too hard. Let's do web. 
<laughs> so they fell, uh, fell back into it. Yeah, I um, guess I'll do web development. You can't. You can't tell a sixteen-year-old that they you can't gotta make, video make games utility. Yeah. You right. got to make yeah. utilities to learn programming. You you wouldn't have programmers. Yeah. You know, I think the natural path is you find something that you're passionate about, and just maybe due to the times that you all came into programming, the tools that were available to you, you then hacking on some hardware or early websites when the internet was like a wild wild west. At our time, game programming was more readily available. Yeah, that's very true. Very true. Very true. When I watch people like rebuild, like I wasn't, I was in my 30s before I realized that old school uh, NES cartridges were nothing but a stick of RAM with a plastic case around them. Mm -hmm. Like that, that didn't click in my brain until I was just like, what? It just... (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh, it, again the magic it was just magic and i was like i'm going to put the magic in and i'm going to grab the controller and i'm going to enjoy some magic for a couple of hours it's true that it's, was it it's one of those things that that is uh, we said that earlier and i was thinking about that i do enjoy not thinking about the internals yeah i don't because I don't, it helps that, me with my escape that's yep. i still play games and that is my escape and i'll say i did write games in basic and stuff when i was in school it's not that i never um, wrote code that made a game. Um, I just, I always, that to me was the same thing as me doodling, which didn't mean that I wanted to be a Disney animator. I was just tinkering with a thing that I thought was fun. So I had built some games before. It just didn't, I, was, I didn't want to go into a career in that. Okay. And then even at the time, working with Basic was still pretty dated um, compared to what was out there on the market. I mean, this wasn't, I'm not, I'm not that old. Um, you know, like, like the Nintendo 64 was out <laughs> right. and I was building stuff that like would predate the tech of what you saw on an NES. Right? right. So in my mind, it was like, I'm playing with stuff that's so behind the times and this is all I can achieve. That's fun. And, and, and it never looked like a career thing, but I, I do like being able to play games because I can't use a website. I can't use a digital product. Like if I hit a button and some really complicated thing happens fast, I immediately am like, how'd they do that? That must be yeah. that must have been background processing and hey, that's really fast. That must be website, you know, and like that's where my mind goes. And I don't want to pick up a video game and start thinking about the collision detection. Yep. You know what I mean? I, I that's that's a personal thing, but I like that I can just go like it's fantasy magic land and I, you know, can run indefinitely without getting tired. I run into that's th- a great thing. I run into that um in my, I with my Oculus Quest. And I think it's because of the same thing. Like I when I'm on a website and I have a bad UX, I'll just start ranting about it. And Sarah, like can't use the internet around me. Cause oh, God. if she's like doing something and I see bad UX, I'm like, God, it's terrible. She's like, shut up. <laughs> and, but I, I, I was say, I have yeah. that same experience with Paige. She'll come to me like when something's so bad that she can't get it to work. And she'll just be like, why doesn't this website work? And I'm like, I'll look at it and be like, because it's a piece of shit. Yes. <laughs> and whoever wrote this has absolutely no standards yeah. at all. And someone should be fired for making this because I'll try and use it. It'll just be broken. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, I know why it's broken. Yeah. I know exactly what, who. We'll go into the console and fix yeah. the JavaScript who real quick and do the thing. <laughs> or, or, like, there. or even better, just like be able to work around it like a like a QA engineer be like now there's a, mm, if you open that accordion there's a null field yep. and there's a validation error that you can't see and I know it's there and then yep see fill that in and it works and it's just like it's it's made the internet not fun oh, yeah. uh, so so I I don't get that when I play games and so I have a Oculus Quest and I there's a game that uh called uh uh 
I think it's pronounced Espire or Espire. I <laughs> know. <laughs> Sorry, I know. this gave me such. Uh, a, that's an but inside it's, it's joke. A, it the is. Flashback and, was real, and it's not even. Uh, it's yeah, that's the real name. Um, but it's a game where you are controlling. It's 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 a VR game within a game. They're, they use it to kind of get over the concept of like you're defying physics by playing this game, and so. In this game, you're a person who's also in a VR suit who's controlling a robot. So that allows oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that allows you to like not like question like the physics of things when you can grab walls very easily and not feel like you you're just like why why doesn't this hurt or what how can I do this? It's just like well you're controlling a VR robot. Um, but so many people complain about so many aspects of the game when it first came out. It's they've put out a lot of improvements. Um, that have been really good. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed it when I first started playing it because it's a lot like playing Splinter Cell except in VR. And I'm like, this is magical. Why would any of you complain that the, that the, uh, um, that the uh, NPCs aren't smart enough? Like, <laughs> uh, the best thing about it. I know. It's just like, just be quiet and enjoy the fact that you're sneaking around in this magical land like a robot and you can climb all over things and snipe people or just jump down on them and hit them in the face. Like, what's, what's your problem? Quit complaining. Uh, but, like, I, I'm not a consistent hardcore gamer anymore. I game very casually. And I don't, like, I, I didn't have that progression of gaming like you were talking about where, like, that was kind of everywhere and so your standards are higher. It's like, I'm fine with dumb computer, like... Uh, enemies this is this is okay for me but people are just like it's uh, and so i just kind of had to laugh at it all and now it's improved even more uh, so everybody that was complaining about it really enjoys it now so i'm i'm kind of intimidated to play it anymore i was like how but how hard is this gonna be now because i i was cool with it being dumb before uh but no they're like shadow well they can see you in the shadows this and or, but then you can hide over here and i'm just like man everybody just chill out and have fun playing a game I would be really curious to see what that's like with um, like the current generation of computer science students, like the like the kids that are rounding out freshman year right now today, um, because truth it has changed so rapidly in the last five years. Even it's changed rapidly over the last. It's it's been a very steady progression. But if you look at like the last five years, you now have um, open source frameworks written in high-level languages. You're writing C-sharp and JavaScript, right? Um, you're not having to implement stuff in C++. You have the ability, you have the entire tooling, you have an engine to use, you can you can do art with it, right? You can import models and, and build structures and, and levels and do, like, actual design. Um, and you now have the distribution mechanism of being able to push that through an app store. And and legitimately, in, in a way that you couldn't, when I was in computer science, people like, I want to get into video games, which meant I want to go work for Acclaim, yeah. or I want to go work for id Software. Right. That's what that meant. Now, I mean, anybody can, like, there, there are no doubt um, thousands upon thousands of kids that just started a freshman program that have already published a game. Um, that's out there. So that's totally different now. It's a different world that someone said, I want to get into video games now, like, if I were advising based on my knowledge of when I was in school, when someone said, I want to get into video games, I'd be like, ah, you know, I don't want to go down that route. And it, today, though, if someone said, I want to get into video games, I'd be like, all right, well, like, go do that this weekend. Like, why haven't you done it? Like, because you can, you can. Yeah, I knew um, a girl who made, uh, it was like a pet rescue game. She made that with Unity. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there is a husband and wife couple directly upstairs from us who are residents oh, yeah. of this building that we work out of. 
um, that have successfully published a couple games, and that's their livelihood. I mean, yeah, they they make a living on it. I know who you're talking about. I didn't yeah. realize them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Burley Men at Sea hmm. is the title, hmm. uh, I believe. So, you know, that's. I think that's a cool thing. I, I know video games are definitely having an attraction. Uh, did anyone ever program the, uh, a, a TI calculator, Texas Instrument calculator, TI Basic? Nope. I built quite a few games in TI Basic, which is like the weirdest programming experience ever because you're like programming with keywords that you select from a menu. You can't just free type the basic. You have to go into like the the flow control menu and pick the four keyword and, and, uh, but, uh, yeah, bunch of like text-based games on that. You could do graphical. as a graphing calculator. You could do graphical stuff as well. I was a, a B grade computer science student and all the A computer or the A grade computer science students were the ones that would come up to me with their TI calculators. Really? And their sweet, sweet games that they made on it. Yeah. We made See, Mario Bros. That, that was, it was totally hobby. This was like, I had a graphing calculator for like, for like junior high geometry and it was fun. You could, um, they had, uh, was essentially like, a uh, I forget the one eighth inch or three millimeter, whatever it is, like stereo jack, like an auxiliary cable that you could plug peer to peer and actually transfer stuff over that analog connection. So like we would plug our calculators up and trade games and stuff. And so there was this like black market of games that people were just to, cause like, it was cheaper than a Game Boy. You had to have one for school, and so people were just swapping games around. But like to be to be able to make a game and swap it around, that that made you at the very top of the value chain of the high school calculator uh, black market because uh, it wasn't just like here's a thing that I found from someone else and just recirculating. It was like I have created something, and then you were a god uh, in the in the calculator world. Did you ever program? Uh, TI graphing calculators, Tyrell? You ever write TI basic? No, I did not. Oh man. It was a wild thing. Yeah. So when we, we had so we had kind of a similar thing with Call of Duty. So when Call of Duty first came out and uh on like Xbox three sixty, um it was really, really cool. Like you got serious street cred if you could hack the game so oh, not yeah. necessarily at a programming perspective but a hardware perspective yeah. setting up lag switches on your routers oh, and yeah. such of that night lag that switching is still totally yeah. A thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah we have not figured out how to beat lag yeah. switching yeah. Uh, we'd go into school after a week and you like play 1v1 against some kid that you didn't like and you lag switch him and you destroy him and, yeah. and you'd be the talk of the school yeah uh, that's pretty funny uh so you you I have I'm curious because it sounds like you've done this a little bit. You lag switch your own hardware, right? Yes. So it's your machine that lags out, um, and and then you're essentially exploiting the server side logic on movement prediction and things like that, right? Yes. Yes. Interesting. Because your inputs are still always going to it, um, but like you end up getting out of sync with where the server thinks you are. Correct. And so what they are shooting at on their screen is not really, it's not really there, there yeah. but where you're shooting is accurate to the server. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Huh. It's uh, it's pretty clever. Yeah, it is. You guys ever use RPG maker? Oh, a long time ago. No, a lot of games have been made with that. Just that. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like a, it was like a GUI that just had all the mechanics of an RPG. Like you would just, it was like, it was like an object-oriented sandbox, is how I would describe it. Okay, it had some base things like 
character class yeah. and then you would assign attributes to that character class and 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 then rig all the logic up together you'd yeah. make top down 2d rpg you know some yeah. old school rpgs that makes yeah. sense. That's, that's, i mean had a tile editor and you yeah. would build the maps and that's stuff. alan often talks about how that's like dungeon dungeons and dragons helped him understand object oriented programming because 100%. of stuff like that so uh, this is jumping back to like apparently this is the episode where i just sound old the whole time but I remember um, back in the dial-up days, the first MMO, uh, Mamorphaga, that I ever touched was something called the Realm, and and uh, that was um, that was like, it, but it still had all the dynamics of like a World of Warcraft or something where you had to start off and go like kill a bunch of small things to earn your XP, to gain up, to like buy stuff, and it was this flat, um, like uh, it was a f- flat RPG online and all kind of folks and you had your house and you would go questing and you would fight people turn-based rpg style hmm. and uh and then work your way back and go collect your stuff and i remember my friend's dad lost like almost ruined his marriage playing that game so much <laughs> and uh i was like huh that's that's a thing you can do online and and i then i remember the next time i saw something similar to that was years later when xbox gaming took off everywhere and uh i saw someone get sucked into um Marrowind for mm. a month of his life Hell and yeah. almost lost his job. <laughs> you guys ever played like ROM hacks? Like, so there's been games created just from like a ROM hack. No, like the you know Undertale, the game. I don't know. It's a indie game, okay. really popular. See, this is where the new age is teaching the old age. Yeah, yeah. that's right. You, <laughs> the, you learn me you, something. You know, was, was, tell me it, what y'all do like now with these really popular music because the guy he made all he made everything of himself including the music and he first started making games as he did a rom hack of earthbound okay and so he made like an earthbound so he like extracted the the source of is it like like um essentially what a game genie would do it like took the game and then you replace the sprites and like replace stuff in memory on the rom yeah like you get it's almost like for this one, because they can go anywhere from like really small changes to really like a whole new game. Right. So you made it like a whole new game. Yeah. Like different color palettes, different characters, the map look different, all that stuff. Yeah. And you can, you can get ROM hacks. There's a lot of ROM. Oh, hacks there was out there. the equivalent to it. Uh, Doom wads. We talked yeah, about Doom wads earlier. Doom wads, like where um, they were levels in the game that controlled the layout, and so you could build the walls and the heights of the rooms and textures and light levels and place enemies and stuff like that. But it was all using the same stuff. But then in the wad itself, it was like a ROM that Doom's engine would load up to load the whole game. And that included all of the textures and sprites. And so people had made essentially what you're describing. And it was like the Simpsons and the Simpsons Doom was one of the really Mm. popular uh, wads. And when I say wad, that's W A D was the dot W A D. I forget what wad stands for now. I used to know. I'm looking at it. But John John Romero always wanted to open source the games that he would make. Um, that's the guy who designed Doom and Quake and all that. The MMOs were as kind of a gateway into programming for me as well. Because yeah. not necessarily as early as when I was playing Ultima, um, but um, you know, like uh, when RuneScape was a big one that I oh, played, nice. yeah. and uh, I was. Uh, studying java at that time in high school and so I'll, for some reason all my programming at, at this point in high school it corresponded to cheating but uh the programming i was doing was making bots just like little resource gathering bots uh-huh. um and so 
that's like a gateway that I had into programming through MMOs as well. That's awesome. Where's all the data is what Wad stood for. Yeah. Cause, okay. Cause Romero was funny like that. Yeah, he was, it still is apparently. Um, he, yeah, he works for Oculus or did. I, I don't remember if he still is. He may have left, but I wanted him to release doom v- VFR on the quest. I have mm. to play it through a friend's computer. Yeah. On my Oculus. Cause it's, it's, it's amazing. Does, does the quest have the hardware to do it? Probably I, not. I would assume it does not, because. But I, I mean, would. The, you're, the thing you're is, playing through a gaming computer. I don't think it has a couple of like graphics cards right. of that quality. But, but the thing is, it. is if I'm willing, and every it's been proven with games on the Quest that folks are very happy to have degraded graphics as long as you preserve the gameplay. Yep. And so if you can preserve the gameplay, uh, it will. Uh, no one cares. Like, yeah. No one cares that it's a little pixely. I would imagine it's that like, I can take this literally anywhere in the world and play it. I don't care if it's a little pixely. The experience is the same. It's not as like graphically pristine, but it doesn't matter. I would imagine that frame rate is super important, and yeah. I know that the PC gamers like obsess over frame rate no matter what, and they're just like, oh, I can't be bothered to use a hundred and twenty hertz monitor. It's for peasants. But uh, in VR, like if something's like thirty frames per second that probably really does hurt the immersion of it um so i can i can see that and and so to achieve those frame rates um compromising graphics quality is all you got yeah by the way you blew my mind when you explained to me how game genies worked because i had forgotten about game genies yeah and then you're just like oh they just do this and i was they do yeah that's all they did was they they it was like what you were keying in on a game genie was a set of instructions that was essentially fucking base 64 encoded instructions that said, find this memory address and change its value to this hexadecimal value. That's what it was. You were inputting combinations of hexadecimal that was like, go find where the number of missiles is stored in memory and change it from five as a default to 50 million. And now you have unlimited missiles. You guys know what game genies are? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you do? Okay, okay. I All thought right. we were about to have like another God, we're old moment. Austin's Although not, Austin still looks no, he's not confirming. Or, or the, the Game Shark, isn't that? Game Shark yeah. was, yeah. 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 Okay. I know a Game yeah. Shark. Game Genie predated. That was yeah. Game Genie Cartridges. for NES. Yeah. yeah. It sat between your ROM cartridge and your system, and it and it, trans- it just, that's all it did. It just translated some memory addresses. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you were typing in a code, but you were, that code was literally hexadecimal, like changing what the game did. Mm-hmm. It was pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. There it was are, a ROM hack device. There are people out there, though, that they make the cartridges, too, that are just ROM hacks. Oh, for sure. The yeah. cartridge. Yeah, that make, like, actually just, write, actually burn it to the machine, because yeah. this was changing it in flight. Right. I actually wonder about the actual mechanics within the Game Genie, because that's what it was doing. It was doing some address translation. When the console tried to read from an address, it, in, it, it intercepted it. It was basically like a man like in the middle. Yeah, it was a man in the... Yeah, that's what it had to be. Yeah. Um, like I'm, I'm the captain now. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. You talk, you talk to me, I'll talk to it and, uh, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh. It's, uh, it's that super cool. And what a weird, you know, this like obviously founded by an engineer. Oh, for sure. That was, that was back when, that was back when all tech companies had an engineer at the helm. It wasn't just like, I have this crazy idea that we're going to have Uber for cats. And then someone was like, yeah, we can do that, I guess. Whoever invented a game genie like knew exactly how that shit worked. Yeah. There was no one just sitting around being like, but what if in between, this would be like, what's his name's friend? The Is it Tom Segura? 
Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. His, his cousin <laughs> okay, yeah, has yeah. the ideas. He's like, what if there was a box uh, in between your system and the game you put in it, and like the box like made the fucking game do different shit? I just invented that. It's like, uh, yeah. You have that one for free. That's like uh, our, our that's like our driver. Yeah, who was pitching the idea for the safer internet. Yep, yep. There's he a, invented that. There's an Uber driver in Salt Lake City that's going to change the world. He's <laughs> he's only 13 years into his pitch. He said, but the the VCs are going to warm up to it. He's, he's just a little ahead of getting him. ready. He's a little ahead of Peter Thiel on what the yeah. internet can do. Yeah. Uh, mm. We had a fun. We we were going to talk a little bit about business travel this trip uh, or this this episode because. Tyrell and I just got back from a from a business trip. We might may, maybe save that for another episode. I think so. We got a lot of tripping in our future. Yeah. Um, I'm leaving on Monday on a personal trip, and then when I get back... ViewConf. We're going to ViewConf. As a reminder, everyone. Yeah. This is your weekly reminder that um, some of us are going to be at ViewConf. So. Austin and Alan mm-hmm. and Casey and I. Tyrell and I. All at the ViewConf. In the city of Austin mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, we'll yeah. Have Austin I guess we should open Austin. it up. We should open it up. To Austin residents, specifically yeah. those at ViewConf, but yeah. anybody listening in Austin that wants to come, no, because it's like, hey, come crash the conference. To, no, no, never mind. Don't crash the like, conference. Yeah. If you're not going to be at the, I thought about this. Uh, it'd be cool to find some some local listeners and hang out. Uh, and if you're not going to be at the conference, you don't have tickets to it. Uh, get in touch with us, though. We're going to record an episode. Uh, uh, while we're down there, yeah, and uh, I don't know, I don't know where we're staying yet. Yeah, I we'll guess depending out. on who all, yeah. we might have a rooftop spot on our Airbnb or something like that that people can come record. <laughs> I don't know that I want to invite listeners to come to our Airbnb. I'm not, I'm not going to list the address. Okay, good. Um, at an Airbnb, <laughs> we will be there, and if we talk to you and vet you, and you're not, uh, uh, you're not the dude who drove us around Salt Lake City in his Uber, uh, maybe you can come by and record an episode of the show with us. Yeah. Something somewhere. I mean, I don't want to be so presumptuous to be like, oh, we can have like a meetup and a bunch of Austin people come. Like, there's like maybe two people. We don't know. We actually have we no, have no idea. idea. I haven't paid oh. for the advanced analytics on our podcast. Yeah. So. <laughs> I can. I only have aggregate so the, numbers. So the only way we would know is if people actually email us, and we'll be found out as frauds if, like, a week after the conference, we're just like, so we went to the conference and no one was there. Yeah. The new yeah. <laughs> or maybe we won't. It just means no one's actually listening, and they won't hear it. Either. Yeah. Oh, no, no, that's no. That's true. We won't be found out because no one's listening. I, uh, I did actually. I did actually look. We do have listeners in Austin. We oh, okay, do. we do. So they're out there. Yeah, none of them just want to actually talk to us. Shoot us an email. Fine. Shoot yeah. us an email. Podcast at higherlofty.com. No new patrons this week, um, but but uh, definitely wanted to mention. You know, if you if you like the show, enjoy hanging out with us. Come see us at ViewComp. Support us on Patreon. Uh, buy some merch uh, on our Teespring store. Yep. And you can get to all that stuff at friday.higherlofty.com. So, happy Valentine's Day to us, not yep. to not to the listeners. Go eat some chocolate. I need to go get some flowers. Go get some flowers. Oh, yeah, I, was, I was just at Walgreens. It's a fucking zoo. Oh, man. You're warned. Oh, man. Yeah. Any yeah. place that sells anything remotely heart-shaped is just going to be carnage right now. Yeah. Gotta, maybe maybe by now, Zuzus. not so no. much. It's five. So. It's going to be even more frantic yeah, right now. Are, these are the people that waited until after work to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Austin. Like Austin. Yeah. Uh, hey, I put in my resume. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, got, you did. Yeah. You've, got, you've, yeah. got the, uh, you've got the cookies in there. Those yeah. are fancy. Yeah. So I, uh, I have to do something. I just got a text message that Paige has strep throat. 
Yay. Oh, Happy Valentine's Day. So I'm going to bring home medicine. I just got a text that I have a prescription. Back pick. to Walgreens you go. Back to Walgreens, <laughs> 100%. Yep. All right. Well, we'll see you guys in a week. Thanks for being here. See you. Thanks for listening to Friday Afternoon Deploy, recorded and produced by the team at Lofty Labs. If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe to future episodes via iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. You can also follow at Friday Deploy on Facebook and Twitter for episode previews, live streams, and other behind-the-scenes peaks. Past episodes and show notes on this episode can be found at friday.higherlofty.com. That's friday.h-i-r-e-l-o-f-t-y.com. If you'd like to contact the show, or if you're local to the Northwest Arkansas area and would like to be a guest on the show, you can email us at podcast at higherlofty.com.